Welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the equal opportunity true crime comedy podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman, can't you tell, man? Gonna post it. What up? Uh, Fran, hello, sir. It is good to uh, be speaking to you once again. Last week, I was a little... Uh, funky. We changed things up a little bit, but this week I'm here. I'm ready to talk about some of the most important things that we didn't get a chance to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, last week in the haze of all that stuff that was going on in my personal life, and one of the most important things that we never got to talk about. You know, is all over the headlines is really uh, incredibly swept the nation, swept the world by storm. The Montgomery, Alabama brawl. It's yeah. the only thing I really want to talk to you about, friend. Uh, I feel like it's, it's a it's a great way to get back into things and talk to my buddy and, 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 and uh, really dive into this and dissect this. We didn't get a chance to, obviously, so we're coming. Uh, we are now on the heels, on the precipice of, of the fifth person being charged in this brawl. There are charges being handed out left and right. They're, they're, they're rounding people up to give the, the people that deserve charges charges. Okay. Friend, um, uh, first question is, is, was this instance, uh, did this, is this a top five day on black Twitter for you? Oh yeah, for sure. And, uh, also like your just general thoughts of the whole thing overall. Oh, it was a great, it was one of the moments where I like, or black X, I'm sorry, Malcolm X. I'm sorry. Um, uh, X now. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Old brain. (laughs) Yeah. Is it, is it, is it one of the top five days on Malcolm X, the Malcolm X app for you? It is. And it was one of the days where, um, well, I first seen it on, on, uh, TikTok. That's where I first saw that. Sure. And then I kind of like, you know, I always go to TikTok, like I always go to TikTok. I mean, I always go to X for my news. So I go, mm-hmm. I go over there and it's one of the moments where I like, I smiled. I was like, I felt so proud. Yeah. To see us black people come together. Man, Let, nobody yeah. got, nobody got violent. I mean, nobody got like, there oh, wasn't, I don't know. there wasn't, blo- there wasn't any blood involved. Nobody, get, no, there wasn't like stabs or anything like that. It yeah, was just okay, a, yes. it, it was, was a, it was, it was a, it was a fight. A it good, was a old good old fashioned fashion. Good old fashioned beat down. Those black people came together. They didn't even notice the security guard came together uh-huh. and was like, "No, nah, this ain't this wrong is wrong. It ain't going down like that." So just to give people a heads up, because I am also proud. I feel like there there might be people that go like, "This was violent, and this, you shouldn't be celebrating." What happened was there was a commercial boat that you know, like a riverboat gambling type of boat, was out. The vessel was out, and now had to, had to dock. This group of people who were of, of the Caucasian variety were in their per, their personal boat and parked where the boat is supposed to, this commercial, like they pay for the, the spot. A person told them that they can't do it. They did it anyway. And so the security guard came and got off the boat and moved the boat. Like, I guess, you know, as big as boats are, some boats, you can just pull the string and it's a fucking boat, you know, so he it. just pulled the string and yeah. it moved it out of the way. They come back. Why'd you move our boat? He's telling them. This is my job. Your boat's not supposed to be parked there. They're getting loud with him. He's getting loud with them. But at the end of the day, they're in the wrong. 
Yes. Right. So I see a lot, of, and I could tell. I'm a body language expert when it when it comes to like 50 and over black men. So it was a lot of like, if it, even though we couldn't hear it, it was a lot of like, if you want to take it there, we can take it there. Yeah. But you got to move your boat and da 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 da. And if you, oh, oh, I'll, I'll be that right now. But you can catch me up at five o'clock when I get off work. <laughs> it was a lot of like, I'm doing my job right now, but I'm not a chump. I could tell that they were probably saying some real slick shit to him. He was saying some slick shit back, but I'm on the clock right now. So at the end of the day, the boat had to be moved. Yeah. And you could take it up and be feel however you want to feel about it, but the boat is moved. And they're still coming to get in his face. And eventually, somebody pushed him in, like, in his neck, like mushed his face really hard. Mm-hmm. And this man um, proceeded to do something that will go down. It needs to be in that Smithsonian <laughs> uh, museum that you went to, the Black History Museum yeah. in D.C. With the hat? He... He took his hat, and it was a throw that was every black person knew with that with that throw. Man, it was like a well, then let's fucking do it. Then it was so like he was almost. It was like a happy throw. Like well, then come on. Yeah, to me it was more like oh, you done fucked up now. Yes, same, same yeah, same like oh, okay, that's what you want to do. Then yeah. let's go. Yeah, you know, hat flies up. up into the into the stratosphere. Yeah, you know, I don't it's think that hat's old, still up there. Old black man thing to do. Yeah, it was but like, it is I, the it is the uh, equivalent to a young person's like pulling their pants pulling up. their pants up. Let's go. Yep. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, like it's it's go time. Yeah, let's get it going then. And um, th- those men, those Caucasian men, jumped on that older man. Yeah, and whooped on him something good. But what was crazy to me when we talk about the um, the entitlement, they. I mean, you could hear the people filming. There was a whole boat of people watching this happen. Mm-hmm. And they, they felt like they, they went and got back on their boat. From what I heard, I, they might have tried to start it up, but it didn't look like it. It looked like they went back over to their boat. Some other people went and got there. What I think happened was they heard the rumbling, and then some people, the two of the men went to go get their wives. Yeah. Because there's like some kind of bar at this place. Yeah. So they go up the boardwalk to go get their family. And then the other two are like on the boat waiting to leave. Yeah. And in the midst of that, they park this goddamn river boat boat or whatever. Also, while this is happening, the boat's taking too long. One of the staff jumps, dives in the water. They call, yeah. they've called this man, every name <laughs> under the sun, uh, black Aquaman, yeah. and, uh, La- Laquan Phelps and all this stuff. So he jumps in the water and does a perfect, uh, breaststroke to the dock, pulls himself up. All of this takes Tremendous cardio uh, and and physical strength. Yeah, kicks his socks off and is ready to squabble. Let's go. That's the thing. It's like what it was. I think it was a universal wrong, right? Yeah. Like I think a bunch of people, black, white, whatever. It, it happened to be a racially motivated type of incident, as far as the divide. Mm-hmm. But I think a bunch of people saw a guy doing his job being hassled by these people who are in the wrong and then they jump on them yeah. unfairly. So it's like, and then it's Alabama. We we've, we've made our jokes and everything. Obviously we've never been probably never will go. Actually now I feel like I got to go touch base at that dock like Mecca. Now I feel like I have to go pay my respects. Yeah. I'm so I might have a reason to go to Alabama just for that. Like you fly do, you, in. You could do that for us. Fly I in. I won't be going there. Fly in, you know, uh, do a prayer and then and then leave. I feel like I now have motivation. But anyway, it's Alabama. There's a history, a deep rooted history in the soil of racism and, you know, people feeling inferior, walking around, people still being called boy. And to see that black man doing his job get jumped on, I think that boat full of black people were like, not fucking today. And so it, fuck it being over. Like y'all felt like y'all got y'all licks in and y'all want to go back to your boat and leave. Nah, fuck that. The boat's parked. Let's continue. Now he's got some backup. It's four of y'all. 
Now y'all are, uh, it's against the odds for y'all. So it was this very um, righteous e- event that stemmed from something so dumb. I feel like it, you know, it, it was something so dumb that was avoidable. And then one guy that got charged this week, he deserved it. There was a guy that, you know, some, sometimes people get too excited. Yeah. And there was a guy there, everybody's fighting and I'm celebrating. Yeah, yeah, man, get him. Yeah, they're right on. They shouldn't have jumped on the man like that. And then a dude came and took a steel chair and hit a woman on the top of her head. And it was like, oh, oh, hey, man, hey, hey. And the police grabbed him immediately and I did not, I didn't bat an eye. Hey, well. I was the, like, he should be apprehended. That was too far. The funny part about it was the first part of the incident, part one, essentially, what was the, what initially started the whole thing. Uh-huh. And then it took it it took a couple like minutes for the second part to come out. Nobody knew what was happening down on the other end. Yeah, there's so many angles. You can man. see, but nobody uh-huh. knew exactly. What, and it was like, oh, another part came out, and then like the dude took that chair and was. I thought was he was going hilarious. to work. I thought it was hilarious the way he <laughs> smacked that lady inside that chair. <laughs> was it fucked up? Yes, but he, he fucked her. He up just with did that not. But here's what here's what was funny. No, 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 but no, what, what, but no. Wait, let okay. me. It was just here. It was it. He he that dude blacked out, man. He didn't he, give a he fuck. Bla- That's he what I was blacked out, say. and <laughs> he went. He had some trauma, past trauma that yeah. he couldn't. It just it all came out, and he was like, no, "Fuck this, my time." Yeah, I'm taking this chair to everybody. Revenge. Yeah, yeah. It was it the way he. It was such a not give a fuck. I don't care if you're a woman or what. I don't get. I'm, I got this chair. Everybody's getting it. Like if you have white skin, oh, I'm mad. Shit. Y'all beat up this man. I got. A, I got. I got the perfect like reasoning behind it, yeah. and I'm going crazy right now. He was hitting everybody with the chair. It was insane. And you know, at the at the core of it, I, I I am a person. Let me go ahead and be put my reasonable hat on for sure for a second and be like, racially motivated violence in any form is wrong, and and you know I you know I don't think that's okay for people to be hurt and be attacked and everything like that. But star shit get hit. Also, I'm I'm, I'm a very you know like they put their hands on that man in front of a a crowd of black people. And ex- and didn't expect those black people to get off that boat and and come to that man's defense. That says a lot about what they think about. No, they didn't expect that. Yeah, like it says a lot about what they think they could do, and get away with publicly. And that speaks to a lot of what happened to them as well. Like, I mean, I don't know how you could think that you could do that, and and people would just sit around and go, you know, whatever. Oh well, yeah, not well, not my business. Yeah, Especially in Al- in Alabama of all places. Yeah, well, they was on a boat and alcohol was definitely consumed, and I'm sure that played a huge part. And I'm not saying, oh, not yeah. saying that everybody, justifies them jumping on a black man, but that everybody also, was drunk. They was drunk. Come on. Yeah, everybody was drunk. Everybody gets rowdy. Everybody gets rowdy when they get drunk. Especially, you know, I've been a lot, I've been around a lot of white dudes in boats. White dudes in boats and white claws all day. Yeah, they just get a little. They get their little. Their chest gets all red, and they just get a little scrappy. Yeah. With anybody, not it's you know I don't want to. I'm not gonna sit here and even though I did hear that there were some racial slurs thrown around. Of course it was. So, you know. You know. No way it wasn't. Yeah, you know, he's all they're all fired up. You touch my boat with your with your jigger hands, you know, or whatever he said. I don't know what he said, but I'm just saying, you know, some things were rolled, some, probably, some, some things were some, some things were probably thrown around, and that's not okay. But I think that they were just mad, also in general. Yeah, you know, but that's no excuse to be, you know, four on one. Some some dude trying to do his job. Yeah, I love it. I think that's the part that I, I think that. The same scenario, just a dude getting into a fight. I think the same, a similar thing happens still, but it was something about this dude being at work and trying to do his job. And everybody on the boat knows he's in the right. Like they probably met that guy. He probably waved to him while they're getting on the boat before the boat took off to do whatever it does. 
And, you know, he probably just is, a, you know, a, a middle-aged, older black dude doing his job. And they see this dude getting jumped on because they're in the wrong. I think it I, it was just a perfect match on a perfect keg. I I disagree. I think it being, I think him doing his job had maybe 30% of, 30% of why they helped him. <laughs> I don't oh, think yeah. no, that him doing his job anyway. had nothing to do with... Him, that had nothing to do with that. Well, man, a little bit. Chairman, by the time they got chairman, <laughs> he he had the story all messed up. These five white dudes jumped on this black woman who he didn't even know what know the inside of the thing. He didn't uh, know how it started. Like, oh, we hit white people? Be beating them yeah, up? That's no, the, that's let's, the, let's go. I think, but that's the I thing. Mean, I, think, no. I think, I think, I think, if we're throwing out percentages, you, did, uh, you threw a percentage out. I think probably like 60... 40, between 40 and 60% of the people involved in that had that same sentiment. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I, there were definitely people there <laughs> oh, who Oh, what saw, happened? Yeah. There was, oh, I was just like, no. <laughs> we fighting? Oh, we yeah, jumping off like, of this boat. That's what I mean. So I yeah, think yeah. I think there were clearly people there. There were people with the camera angles everywhere. There were clearly people there that saw the wrong that yes, taking place. Yes, But then there were also people that just kind of showed up and were like, oh, we beating these people up? <laughs> Let me partake, please. Let me get in on, on this. Let me get some of this. But that first, it was something, I don't know. I know it was violence and I know whatever, but there was something beautiful about that first like wave of people that came, dude comes off the boat. The three dudes come like, oh, y'all want to jump people? What's up? We're here now. Yeah. You know, the, the staff came over there. Like the staff is really. The staff if, hopped in. The staff is the most justified. Yes. They know him. They know he has kids. They know his life. They know he needs this job. He's retired and whatever the hell his life story is. The staff is the most justified in being like, yep. y'all are not jumping on my man like that. Yeah. Everybody else kind of was like, you know, 2020. It was still like some remnants yeah. of some other shit, like life problems, the man, like everything. It was a Alabama, lot of it was a Alabama. Lot of, it was a lot of context around this whole thing where it's just like, yes. oh, wait, this white explosion. No, explosion. that's snap. And we going after Ex this boat. And they've been doing this for 400 years. They've been jumping us for 400 no, years. Let's, and it's like, let's go. Yeah, they, yeah, it was a lot of that. Yeah, so. I found it to be interesting. Obviously, when we talk about, I'm I'm not calling that shit X. When we talk about how Twitter reacted to it, it was easily a top five Twitter day yeah. for me. I mean, black Twitter was in rare form and on the like right coming on the cusp of Elon Musk being a complete idiot. This guy has no marketing sense at all. Like you can call this shit whatever you want to call it. Black Twitter still black Twitter. Yeah, I thought it was an amazing like. Well, that's because that's it's his thing now. Yeah, he wants to make it his own. But, yeah. like, if I buy McDonald's and everybody knows I'm loving it and everything, and I get to buy McDonald's and keep all the intellectual property, I'm not going to have this arrogance and go, well, I want people to call it call them Alvin Burgers. I don't, I don't want y'all. I want y'all to know that it's mine, so I need to change it up and put my, my, my stamp on it. Like, no, you bought something. It's moving how it moves. Everybody likes it how it is. And now you ruined it. He's ruined the blue check marks. Like, those shits are just... If you have a blue check mark at this point, I laugh at you because I assume you bought it. Yeah. So it's like a meaningless thing now. And most celebrities don't, they didn't buy them. So it just be like, Halle Berry's out here tweeting from an unverified account because it's like, I'm not paying you to be verified. Well, you got to pay for the, the gold check. I think those are for like celebrities now. Yeah, I think it's, they grandfathered in to, some people. You still have to pay, I think. But, okay. I'm, but my point is, but he changed that, I think. Yeah, so yeah. now a blue check mark and like the gold check mark is the official right. one that that the, the free, that that's free that the celebrities get yeah. just to verify that this is their original account. And then the blue check mark comes with like perks or whatever. Yeah. You can tweet as much tweets as whatever it is. And that one, but everybody knows the blue check is the that's the uh, the the McDonald's golden arches of Twitter. Right. 
So now he's ruined that. Yeah. It's like that is me. The, I don't care about a gold check. I don't even, what the fuck? I don't care about you got a gold check. Okay. <laughs> right. The blue check was the thing. Yeah. Now that's ruined. Yeah. Not no more. And so I don't know how that's, what's, that feels like terrible marketing to me. But anyway, yeah. to see black Twitter be like, I don't give a shit what you call this shit. We're having a black Twitter moment and it's black Twitter, black X, Malcolm X. Well, you can call it whatever you want to, but this is black Twitter coming together, forming like Voltron and having a hell of a day. It was like, it was like three days. This was a long, this one, this one stretched out. Yeah. And I loved every minute it of it. I loved time, the memes. Man. I loved yeah. the conversations. I loved the, everybody's takes. I loved all the pictures of uh, people swimming, uh, being Aquaman and jumping out of the water. It was a beautiful time yeah. out of something that was like inherently just a, 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 a an exceptionally violent thing. Like we, I'm, I can admit that. Like yeah. this was violent. I don't like to see. You know, we have these talk, these talks. Like I don't like to see us be portrayed that way. But like they started it. Yeah, I think that that chair. matters. The you, they funny. jumped on that man. Like that that matters. This wasn't just black people being portrayed like uh, violent, whatever. Like thugs. They jumped on that man first. And I think that we can't, we got to make sure that that doesn't get missed. I know it's funny to watch, to, but you see how quickly it's, it's the subtle things in the media. To us, it's hilarious on Twitter, right? But if Fox News and CNBC and, and CNN only play the guy hitting the woman with the chair and the black dudes yanking the people's boat and they don't show that they jumped on that man first, then it just looks like a bunch of black people jumped off a boat and attacked a bunch of white people. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's important that it doesn't get lost that they attacked the guy at work first and then those people came to that man's defense. So it's, that's the thing. Like we can, when it's, you can make we can make jokes in the room, but then when people come peeking in the room and they take from it what they take from it, that's 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 our fault because we got to make sure we give the whole context. So we're laughing at the dude hitting the woman with the chair, and we're laughing at the black dude swimming, and we're laughing at you know you know the, the them making the other two dudes jump in the water, which is crazy. They like abandoned their family. One of them dove in the water to swim away from the, which is also a high key racist. What for him to be like, I can just jump in the water and I'm safe because black people can't swim. Yeah. So he kept jumping in the water. Like whenever they would come over his way, he would keep, he kept jumping in the water and he would swim oh, back. Oh, that's what happened. I, I didn't know. They say he jumped in the water. I didn't know if they were saying one of the white people jumped in the water or. Yeah, since, it was like two young security, dudes. Since security was coming, they was trying to run away by jumping in the no, water. No, they, whenever they would get rushed, they would jump in the water. And the black people would almost like, it was like bees. They would go right up to the edge and the guy would jump in the water and go, oh, well, yeah. we're not going in there. And then go back and go in the other fights. Yeah. And then the guy would swim back over to the dock and pull himself up. And then they would run back over and jump back in the water. Yeah. Well, one of them did get thrown in the water. That was hilarious too. So <laughs> it was chaos, man. It was absolute chaos. Um, again, they're only fighting. Me... Oh, she's getting thrown in the water. Oh, he got a chair. It was just a whole bunch of shit, like just a Russell the commentary mania just going off at once. Oh, I loved it. It man. was crazy, and it was a it was a hell of a moment. Again, I don't like to see us portrayed that way, but in this in this instance, the, again, like you said, there was this pride. What do you mean I... portrayed that way though? Why do you, what do you mean when you say that? Because this there's all these camera phones showing all these black people attacking these people. I mean, that's, that's how it looks. Because it started, it started off because they jumped on the, the guy it first. Started, I know, but it started off four on one and now it's 20 on four and it looks, it looks away. That's my only point. I'm, I'm, I'm on the side of the people, but I'm just saying the way that media is going to portray it and has portrayed it is like chaos and these people attacking these people and violence and all this stuff. And I just want to say again that it's important for us to contextualize that these people I don't think were that I just so don't think outraged were so outraged that they jumped on this man. Well, I'm just doing I'm just that's just how well, I you don't feel. need to do that though. I just I feel like when you when you say and do that, I feel like you're kind of like not giving you're not giving what the people that did to help out their credit. Where it was like 
where you're saying that, oh, well, since they jumped in to help, we got to make sure we explain, give an explanation of why they did this. Well, listen, I mean, I don't want to get into semantics, but like they didn't jump in and help. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm they jumped in to defend what happened to him. But like the fight was over. The boat pulled up and then they reignited the fight. The fight was over. Like he didn't need help at that point. I still agree that they did something like that. Made the fight me feel- was over. It wasn't over. It was one guy that came in that, that came to, it was one guy, a black guy that ran over there that while they were still jumping this man, he came over and was kind of pushing him away. He didn't and throw the, a punch. Yes. And then the other guys came after they kind of backed I'm off. Saying when the wave, I'm saying when the wave came, the dudes were on the boat, the other dudes were up at the whatever, the, this thing had dispersed. Nah, fuck that. No, I, no, fuck that. No. I agree with you. Fuck that. <laughs> Keep it going or whatever. But I'm just saying it wasn't like they all these people came over mid-jump and then the you know, like it was re-sparked. No, they saw But I'm on the side of it. I'm not I'm not against you. I, yeah. I, I thought it was something beautiful. If I if if some if a bunch of people jumped on you while you were at work delivering mail, mm-hmm. I would hope that if a bunch of black people or any people saw that happening, they would come to your aid and rally around and help you in that situation. Yeah. And so I think that they're is something beautiful in that. And the context of Alabama, the history of, you know, segregation and racism in Alabama that's still palpable to this day. All of that stuff matters when you talk about just the, just the expectation that they that they felt like they could put their boat wherever they wanted to. I just think know? I think it sucks that we have to give some type of ex- explanation to be like to kind of like not make other people not when they put it on social media, not for people to judge us like, oh, look at these animals. Sure. I mean, like, if they don't know what the fuck, if they don't, if people don't want to find out the whole story and kind of want to take bits and parts of what they want to see on news or whatever, like, fuck but that, that's man. the world. That's then, the world. I mean, we can't do nothing about that. We do this. We do the same thing. I don't know. I just, I don't know. We are a culture of headlines. I don't know. I just, I just you don't know? think that's right. But I get it. I get it. I just like to give my full thoughts, and my full thoughts are: I was on the side of the people. I you know, think that they came to that man's aid and defense. And it was like this powerful resistance. It was, it was, it was this revolutionary type of energy to it. But at the same time, you know, it was violence and people getting beat up. And, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a violent guy. I don't like to see people get hurt. I did enjoy it. I did laugh at it, but like, I don't want to see people out there fighting and throwing people in the water and all that stuff. All right. Whatever, man. It was a, it was a fight, man. We it's like you can't come up here saying like I'm like I get violence, I get it, but I mean like it was a brawl, bro. It, nobody got badly hurt. Nobody, the lady that got her head hit with the chair, she didn't break her neck. There wasn't blood spat. It was just a fight, bro. We've been in plenty of fights when we were young, where it's just like oh well, we move on. It's for sure. It's fine, man. We I feel like but you're like. The violence, I get it, I get it, but you don't need to sit up. You don't here. gotta put on a. You don't, no, I you just, you don't need you to. Don't sit gotta, up. <laughs> just don't, you don't gotta mock me, man. You don't. <laughs> I just, cause man, you keep saying violence, like it was a fight, man. So they threw a couple punches, man. So whatever, man. Oh, that's it. That's it. It was, it was a squabble. Is it, it a violence a under the category of violence? Sure, but it, like when I say violence, I mean like stab wounds. Somebody's, you know, th- there wasn't that, bro. It wasn't yeah. that. It wasn't that. It, it was a scuffle. They is a scuffle. You keep going back to violence. Nobody was crazy hurt. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't, man. The chair impact, I still hear it in my dreams. You know what I'm saying? So saying. She's still here in her dreams. She will have nightmares. <laughs> she's going to hear that forever. for the rest of her life. Yeah. And again, oh, I just want to say, I know what you're saying about me, but if you go back and watch the footage, everybody around, even when he did that to that woman, was like, oh, hey, oh, hey man. Like people started like grabbing him and pushing, like, <laughs> he got too excited. You know, so everybody has that one friend yeah. 
we're all cracking jokes. Take it overboard. And, 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 yeah, and they're like, your mom. Like, oh, yeah. See? All right, man. Yeah. <laughs> now, now the shit is awkward now. Yeah. So I could tell I get everybody was enjoying the squabble, and then he he did that, and people were like, oh, hey, hey man, yeah. whoa, okay, all right, yeah. take, relax. People start taking the chair out of his hand. The one like, person, hey, the one person that sings like after the song is. Stop and like you yeah, just keep like on. Still hitting, you still trying to. Yeah, yeah, you're like, like, all right, man. The moment is past now, you know. So he hit, he did that as the the fight was doing this. The yeah, fight was, was. The, the 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 wave had started to go yeah, down. Yeah, and then he's I don't, coming. I don't think he realized it. Though. I think he just no. He out, was like, snapped. I agree with you. He was somewhere else. He was in 1963. Somebody just yeah. called him boy outside of a, 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 a farmer's shop something, or something man. like that. Like something, he was triggered. <laughs> so, you know, it is what it is. Um, uh, before we uh, take a quick break, I just want to, um, again, one, one more time, thank anybody that reached out to me and sent me condolences and, and uh, prayers uh, um, in the uh, last week. That was very nice of you. And also I want to uh, give some Patreon shout outs before we take our break. We got a couple of quick ones. I want to give a shout out to, uh, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, Monica B. Uh, shout out to Monica B. It's been a while. It's been a while. I want to give a shout out to Monica B. Wendy S. I. Uh, Wendy S.I., Erica, and Zachary L. Shout out to you guys. Much love and appreciation. Thank you for the support. Um, we appreciate you guys, and uh, we hope to deliver some great content, content to you guys soon. And CrimeCon is coming up. We hope to see you guys down in Orlando. Be sure to, you know, if you, if you uh, are in the uh, area, in that neck of the woods, drop by our booth, show us some love. Um, we'll probably, we'll uh, probably have some, some swag for you, some, some stickers and whatnot and all that type of stuff. And, you know, we'd love to chat it up with you guys. We like to bring our equipment down. So we'll probably be live recording from the booth. So you could be a part of the podcast. You have some interesting stories, maybe some live tales from the hood. That'd be dope. If you could keep them under, cause it's, it's a, it's all kind of, it's crazy hectic. So it can't be a 20 minute story, but if you can come and you can tell us crazy story from your neighborhood and growing up or currently today in like two to five minutes we'd love to hear from you at our booth at crime con yeah. the mics will be available to you we'd love to hear that and we can interact live and i'll be like campfire and story. i would assume that if would you interest you interested in doing that because you're going to be there kind kind of like had a story you know yeah be, together. be ready be ready to tell it <laughs> be ready keep to it, tell it i don't want about ice um yeah. let's see because i will so i will mom, zone out and that will be yeah and, and i won't be a part of the story <laughs> please know that fran is not uh, he is very susceptible to spacing out during a tangent. So if you go, so it was me and my brother. Well, first, before I even get, let me take a break. Let me tell you about my brother. Yeah. So my brother loves anime. You, you lost him. Yeah, I'm now honest. you got to talk about anime for five minutes. He's gone. And now you got to, he's got to try to catch back up into the story. Yeah. When you get back to it, don't do it. Concise, direct. Yeah. Don't go off on a tangent. We don't need to know the backstory of every person in your story. This is not a Quentin Tarantino movie. We don't need to have like, Little movies within the movie where you go off and tell us this person's origin. We don't do that. If you want to come, we would love to hear from you. Tell us the stories or just come chop it up with us. Talk to us at the booth. But in the meantime, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right. And we are back before we get into what I feel like is a, a really interesting story that we are doing this week. I want to give a shout out to a friend of the podcast, Amanda Jacobson from Wine and Crime. Her wedding uh, is was this past week or is coming up. I don't I had the, I had the invitation on the fridge. I wasn't able to make it because of the timing It's during the week and I just could not. 
find the time to fly down there for the wedding. Mm-hmm. I regret it so much. I was excited to go. And then I saw the dates. I was like, I just can't make those dates work. But I'm incredibly happy for Amanda. Super excited for them. Also, apparently Lucy from Wine and Crime is pregnant. Um, Kenyon just had a baby like a year ago. So super happy Beautiful. for that entire. Yeah, just just nothing but blessings and great things happening over at that podcast. In the meantime, obviously, Lucy will start to, you know, go through the, the stages of pregnancy. If you need uh, two handsome people to step in and, uh, you know, uh, for an episode over there, Wine and Crime. I am available. Amanda, you have you have my phone number. We would love to uh, help out if that ever comes up. If there are any scheduling conflicts with the crew over there uh, and with all the beautiful things that are happening, yeah. just let us know. Um, but anyway, friend, yes, let's let the people know that this week uh, we wanted to dive into the history of music festivals uh, um, because this past month, a person who was a big controversial figure over the last couple of years in the festival culture. Travis Scott mm-hmm. released his uh, his follow-up to the Astroworld album, Utopia, and he is now um, mm. touring that touring that album with these signature shows that are... They've all been out of the country, and I don't know if that's for reasons okay. surrounding what happened with Astroworld, Probably. but they're all at these... They're all sporadic around at, like, very spread out different places all around the world. I've seen footage of him. He's an amazing performer, which we'll get into, obviously, when we, when we get, get to that part, but... Um, it people a bad thing happened, and so it made us want to dive into what is a music festival and where do they start, and you know have things like this happened before? And we found a bunch of stuff which we would like to get into. Uh, Fran, how w- uh, how is the process for you as far as doing this research? I know you didn't, yeah. you haven't really been to many uh, music festivals, yeah, right? No, like the thing about when doing this, you know, um, I was excited because history when you kind of like start doing research on stuff and then you kind of go back to the history or the origin of how everything started and how it evolves into what it is now. It's pretty interesting because you go like, whenever I think about a concert, I never thought about like thinking of, of past concerts or, or, or festivals and how they yeah. were before it got to what it is now. So like yes. doing this research, I was like, oh shit. And you hear about certain artists, artists that you know of from different type of genre of music, but you go like, oh, it started from this and like, fucking you know 17th 18th 19th century and you go like damn like they were doing this festivals is, back then it's, it's been around for for forever and it's like and you never think of stuff like that especially like for me concert because i'm like i'm not a like concert goer so it's like mm-hmm. i've never thought about like oh let me look at the history of like you know how this all started so it was like reading that and then learning some new shit it's, it's always it's always fun so let's get into it so although fairs and festivals predate recorded time the dna of modern music festivals can be tracked back to the dawn of the 20th century with religion and classical music festivals that use cathedrals as venues. They were up in the churches turning up, right? Yeah. So that, 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 so like, uh, as an example, there was this festival called the three choirs festival. Mm-hmm. They were shutting shit down, drawing hordes of Rossini, Mozart and Beethoven fans to cathedrals in England in the 18th century. So just imagine a crowd of people, and you hear that bum 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 bum, yeah, bum 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 bum. I just it was I, I I imagine the the energy in there was turned up. People start moshing to that. <laughs> I doubt it, but yeah, sure. But somebody's like, "That's my shit." Oh, it's about to it's about to drop. Bump. Who was who was the one I couldn't hear? Beethoven. It's Beethoven. Okay, that's the one. Yeah, that's Beethoven. That's Beethoven. Yeah, yeah. And also, there's there's some. I don't know. I watched a lot of YouTube conspiracy videos, but I watched one that said like Beethoven, if you look at his pictures, he was black. 
I didn't see that. Because he had like nappy hair. They said he was like a light. He, like, he was like a mulatto. That's the rumor, you know. I don't know. I don't. I never seen a real picture of all, everything I seen was like drawings. Drawings, so pictures, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can know you make his hair look extra little curly in a uh, drawing yeah. with some with, with some cold with some cold pencils. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, festivals has have always served as outlets for emotional expression and to give people a way to break away from their monotonous lives. And I would agree with that. I, whenever I've gone to festivals, they always, it's like a different world. Everybody's dressed up. It's, you know, it, it, nobody's thinking about bills and tomorrow. It's just about we're having a good time today. Um, they have also been used as tools to give out mass entertainment. But up until the 20th century, music festivals were considered a luxury for the wealthy and members of high society. So, you know, there weren't uh, like poor peasant type people going to festivals. These were like high society cultural events where people were exchanging ideas and, you know, showing off their opulence and wealth and basically, you know, paying people to entertain them. Like yeah. the, I think like think about the idea of that. That's a very wealthy thing. Like I want to be entertained. I will pay you to come and sing and dance for me. So is this that's the origins of a festival. Was this the t- uh, OK, so this is before theaters with this, the uh, the um what you call it, the seats are like super high and it's a small uh-huh. closed off type of theater where it's like, yeah. you see how you look, that's that's how I picture when I- It's a it, lot of, it's type. giving It's giving very much that. That's very okay. much the status of the people who were going to festivals yeah. as well. Everybody had top hats? Now, possibly. Okay. Everybody had like a, um, a corsage, like a little flower on their yes. sh- uh, uh, blazer jackets with the, and the women were wearing uh, nice flowy dresses. Did they have the suits with the long, with the long uh, thing yeah, in the back? Yeah, you flap it back and you sit down and you play the piano. Yeah, yes, okay. exactly. Everybody had those kind of suits on. Okay. Everybody had cummerbunds on. What is that called? The the it's um oh I don't know oh man Tom and Jerry Jerry from Tom and Jerry I, I thought you people. was gonna pull one out like I thought like man how you uh, know that how you no, know that that's one called? I don't know I just know you <laughs> flap it it's got the tail I know yeah. it it's it's a tux it's like a t- uh, I don't know okay. uh, that one that one you got me on that All one right. I don't know because people shouldn't wear those. <laughs> It never was cool. If I see you in that, that's that's crazy. You think no, that's, that's fly. You think that's fancy, but you're wrong. That's fly though. That's you being like, oh, it's prom. Let me get the tail, the two tail blazer jacket out. I think that's dope because nobody would have that. That's that's the stuff I like. Oh, it's a you. You'll be one of one. For sure. In 2023, if you have the flap the piano seat back jacket on, <laughs> you're the only one wearing that. For sure. Like you're the only person wearing that. You flap it back, crack your knuckles, <laughs> and get down. Right. You know, play some play some Beethoven. But yeah, so it was um, festivals began as this very high society um, show of opulence and wealth. There was a lot of money involved as far as people that were there mm-hmm. were there were not like commoners. This was not an event for commoners no. festivals. So this notion changed, however, friend, during World War One, when the financial burden, um, both societally. And as like as a as a country, you know, the the idea shifted to stock stockpiling weapons and, you know, getting food, you know, the essentials. Yes. Nothing ever changes. Like um, that's the thing about class. Right. You know, poor people in times of war have to make decisions about who eats, when we eat, how much we can eat. And rich people had to go. All right. Well, I guess we don't need to throw a festival this year because, you know, I guess we should focus on like, you know, buying things that we need. Yeah. It's, it's, it, we need to cut some costs. Let's not throw the festival this year. You know, so that's when festival culture started to die down was during World War One. So, they, they, you know, festivals fell to the wayside um, for the privileged sector who were uh, the ones who were known for enjoying festivals. But Fran, as we know, with war comes resistance through art and the resistance birth genres like folk and jazz and lower income people feeling the impact of war 
met up in small nightclubs to be entertained by like-minded musicians and creatives away from the upper class. Yeah. So and probably um, the most the more talented people, more talented. Oh, for sure. Yes. Here's the thing: like I've seen so many videos. You can watch a video of a guy who's classically trained on the guitar, play a guitar perfectly. Yeah. And then you could watch a guy like BB King or you know some of these old school jazz and blues musicians who just learned on their own. Yep. They didn't go to some school and they make the guitar cry in a different way because yeah. it's just pain and culture and, and energy. It's, it's one thing to know how to pluck the strings, but to know how to talk to the strings and, and work the strings and, and put you into the strings. Yeah. That's the difference. So yeah, of course, like poor people and, you know, poor black people specifically create dope shit. It just is, it just, you know, some of the most dope shit is birthed from poverty, struggle and pain. And just, you know, if you put all that stuff into, you know, the creative mind of black people, some of the most amazing cultural things of all time, some of the best art, some of the best music has come from that. So yeah, of course, you know, yeah. Poor people invented jazz. And then it was this underground escape and, uh, you know, in a time of war, it consoled people and, you know, gave people the motivation to fight against the system and, you know, voice their opinions. And, you know, it was the backdrop for a lot of political discourse, yeah, jazz yeah. and folk music. Well, we, we create a lot of genres of music, but sure. And we will get into how, <laughs> again, a discussion we have a lot on here. I'll get into it and no shade to this lady. But again, black people create stuff. And then what happens? There's, you know, these uh, white people that have some money, mm-hmm. hear it and they love it and they go, I'm going to monetize yep. that. And this is, I will get into that in a second. So by the time World War I was over, jazz had become an established musical genre. That's such a crazy thing to say that. Jazz has become this, you know, I feel like our generation, jazz is synonymous with like old and all these things. But jazz was rock and roll when it first started. It, it, it was this new thing and it was chaotic. And, you know, I feel like we need to go back to respecting jazz again because it's true instrumentation. It's real talent. But it's crazy how, you know, times change and things flip around. And now it's considered this like suits and nice, clean cut and whatever. And it started off as like the, the music of the poor. So the unique sound of jazz was birthed in black pain and talent and culture and inspired a cultural and musical movement that touched people globally. In fact, popular music, musical festivals in the United States can be tracked back to two people. Lewis and Lorraine Lauriard. These people were a couple that met in Italy while they were uh, during World War One. They or during World War Two. They met in Italy, fell in love, and bonded over their love of jazz music. Right? These are two. These are two Caucasian people. Yep. They met and were like, "How good is this jazz music? I love this. Right? This is amazing. It's so powerful and real and raw. Oh my god!" And they have the you know the money the the money and the influence to be able to live in Italy while there's a war happening. Like they're abroad. Nuts. And this, and now, now the war is over. They come back to America because you know they can do. They can travel in betwixt. You know they can go between Italy and you know they have the privilege to do must that. Nice. Yes, must be nice. But what they did was they returned to the states. They were determined to use jazz to add a cultural fabric to Newport, Rhode Island, which I imagine in 1955 or whatever was the whitest town. <laughs> you could, a coastal town in Rhode Island. There couldn't have been any black people. So they're like. We're going to go back to Rhode Island now knowing what jazz is, and we're going to be hipsters. The picture I saw on an article that we both looked at of this, of this story that was on what we read, it was, they showed uh-huh. a picture of the Rhode Island, Rhode, Rhode Island type of whatever festival it was. It was nothing but yeah. like 
hippie look yeah. at white people. <laughs> that was yes. that's all it was. They flew in all these black artists to to perform for them and give them that feeling of culture and you know realism and feeling like they're integrating and society's changing and 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 I respect them for that. I think that this was a, they they predated hipsters like Lewis and Elaine were two kind of predated hipsters who went. We are going to go back to our Lily White town and we're going to show them what culture is. We've been traveling and we've seen things and we've heard music that is from you know, the real side of America that nobody talks about. And we're going to take it to our white town and we're going to change people's minds. And all they needed was $20,000, which back then, I don't know. I don't have the math in front of me, but it's probably four times that, you know, it's not chump change. It's not chump change now, no. <laughs> no. but it's, it wasn't chump change then. So they all, they count. So they just travel. Keep, keep just put it, keep it in mind. They were just in Italy. Yeah. They flew back home to, from Italy so they had money to be on vacation during a war. They come back home, drop twenty thousand dollars, probably fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars of that back then money on on starting a festival, Over a huge risk. which ended up it's a huge risk back on then. a huge risk on like a, a concept that people didn't know about, like a, a festival. What is this? What what like in a small a small city? They co-founded the Newport Folk Festival, which fused jazz, blues, country, and pop together. And in nineteen fifty four. Over 11,000 people gathered for what they then started to call the Newport Jazz Festival in Rhode Island. It was America's first ever jazz festival. Wow. It's still running today. It's been running for whatever that in, is. I don't know, Rhode 60 Island? plus years. In Newport? In Rhode Island, okay. yeah. Newport, yeah, the Newport Jazz Festival is still a thing. It brings thousands of people, and they've been able to keep their integrity. They haven't become commercialized because they've been true to who they were since the beginning, You know what's, which, we, which we'll get into. You know what's funny? This reminds me of a clip. I, know, I don't know if you've seen this clip before, but there's a clip where... Uh, I don't know what this, maybe this is the 50s, 60s, where it was a concert that all these white women went to, all these white women went to, and the artist was black. Like, all they, I think it was number, right. it was number radio, so it was like, uh -huh. there was no TV. So it was like, they all right. went to see this singer who they thought were white. At least, at least this is what the video captioned. I don't know how true I know, this is. I know what you're describing. I'm not sure how true it is, right. but I get, but finish but it, but finish when it. they, when this guy's up there sing, sing, I mean, he was a talented artist. Right, I think it was Frankie Valli. Yeah, and it was like, like the that, faces yeah. on these white women—they just looked like they weren't. They was like they were disappointed. They didn't know he was black. Shocked, yeah. and it was just like, I like I said, we don't know how true that is, but I just right the facial expressions of these women—you go like, damn, they thought this was a white man. Seems well, here's the thing. Here's and I believe I know exactly the video yeah. you're talking about, and I did do research did? on that because okay. yeah, because um, I thought that was crazy. Yeah, that was like that was insane. And when I think it was, they did a fact check and the fact check isn't much better. Honestly, the fact check was they were not allowed to dance to black music. Mm. Like they told them like, look, the guy's going to come out. We booked him for the show. But if you dance at, at this, we will kick you out or arrest you or something like that. Like, or arrest him or like, you're not allowed to make white people dance basically. Wow. So they were not reacting to his music, whether they were having fun or not, they weren't allowed to dance. Like they weren't supposed to dance. So that's not much better than they thought he was white and then he came out and he's black. Yeah. But it, that's that is like horrible. And I feel but like think about that's that's not to say that 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 didn't happen. Yeah. I just know the video you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. I'm sure that happened. Like you, you, these people hear a song they like, they get they they hear it was a concert in town. They get there they're like, wait, what? Yeah. No. Also, that's there were like, though. I mean, Sinatra was notorious uh, for uh, dis disobeying a lot of those like rules in those white towns when he would bring Sammy Davis Jr. and stuff with him in the Rat Pack they would be like you're not a, we don't black people aren't allowed to sing on the stage he's like well then I'm not performing yeah. 
You know, so Sinatra was uh, about that, but one person who wasn't about that life was Elvis Presley. Was he said, "Fuck them niggas. If they wanna, they came I'll here and they wanted to perform." And y'all are saying, I don't get my check if I let them on the stage. That's Go home, Roger. I'm going to do my set. And the, then you're not allowed to perform. I'm going to sing your song, Little Richard. Yeah. Don't give me credit for nothing. They don't give me credit for nothing. Little Richard's in the back on the side of the stage like, okay, so Elvis is going to do his thing. I'm going to go out there and show him how it's really done. Elvis is like, oh, uh, I don't think so, um, Richard. <laughs> uh, they said you can't perform. And I'm not. And he's like, well, then we're out of here, right, Elvis? And he's like, oh, uh, I don't think so. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to get my money and my jelly donuts, and then you can uh, take your black ass uh, to the Chitlin circuit wild, and uh, have a good time. So Elvis Presley was one person who stole a lot of black culture and mm. did not ride for black people at all. Because why? You got to get the bag. That's but that's why I always fuck with Frank Sinatra, though, at least from what I hear. I'm sure that you can find a bunch of shit of instances of... Actually, I don't know if you can. From what I've heard, Frank Sinatra was a down ass dude. He was, he was down with the he was down with the mob, and he was if if you not if you're not letting Sammy, my boy Sammy. Now that might have been just because Sammy was his homeboy, but I don't know. I heard a lot of Frank Sinatra like is a is a cool ass dude. If you're not letting my boy Sammy Davis on the stage, then you don't get the Rat Pack at all. And Frank Sinatra was him That's back. Up, yeah. he, was he, like was Justin, yeah, yeah. he was like Justin. he was like Justin Timberlake. <laughs> So of course they're gonna let Sammy Davis Jr. If it's like, well, if if he go if he swings his weight around and goes, if you don't let him on the stage, we're leaving. Then Sammy Davis Jr. is performing tonight. Now think about how big Elvis is, yeah. and him to go, oh, I'm a big old uh, big fat pussycat, and I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna get my <laughs> money and fuck them, and I'm gonna sing songs that I've stolen from black people for the whole set. <laughs> I'm singing B.B. King songs. I'm singing Lil' Richard songs. I'm singing all black people songs, and I'm not going to let one of them touch the stage because y'all said I don't get my now money what, if I do that. A, I don't want to get too much on the sidebar. Now, will a, a Elvis stand, will they agree with that, that he stole music from black people? Or they would go, I think that a lot of people covered music back then. Like, a lot of people did covers of people's songs, and they didn't have to give them credit. They could interpolate it and redo it yeah. and whatever, and people were kind of passing songs along. But... I think any real musician would tell you that Elvis did a poor version of a lot of popular black songs. And because he was white and could move his hips as a white man, he got the masses when he was doing a bad version of, of little Richard. Okay. Like little Richard is less little Richard comes up there and sings tutti frutti, does a backflip, does a split, lights the piano on fire, whatever. And then Elvis comes out and does the great value version of what little Richard just did. But because he's white, White women are like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. You know, it's the Justin Bieber effect. Yeah. When one of them little kids from, from Vine or whatever did the Dougie, who gives a shit? But if you see Justin Bieber do a little ugly half of Dougie, oh, he's got soul. He's invited to the cookout. Yeah. He's the this. He's the that. That was Elvis. Elvis mm -hmm. took black art and did it half as good and got 10 times as much Man. as the stuff. It's the knock, and I, no disrespect, I don't want to go on a music tangent, but we got, it's a music-based episode. But, and I disagree, but in parts, I think a lot of people say you could throw a rock on the R&B charts and find women that sing a lot better than Adele. But because Adele is white and can sing like that, she's heralded as one of the biggest singers of all time. Now, I think Adele can blow. Okay, I think she can too. But I think Jasmine Sullivan can blow too. I think Jasmine Sullivan can blow better than Adele. 
I think Jasmine Sullivan can blow better than Adele too, friend. I wasn't. I was. You, I'm, I'll step out there with you. I was just saying. I, I didn't. I want, get your point. I think. I get your point. I think she can too. Yeah. Jasmine Sullivan will never be as big no, as Adele. Absolutely. You know. So, but 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 that's no knock against Adele. Adele can blow, yeah. but it it's Eminem. Yeah. Eminem can rap. Does Eminem being white and being able to rap like that help him tremendously? This is not of new. Course. This is. Not new at all. This is the history. This is what, of, bro, again, I don't want to go on a tangent. Now we're we we on a tangent, but we haven't been on a tangent yeah. in a while. There's a documentary about Boys to Men. Okay. The music industry actively said, Boys to Men came out and all that uh, Motown shuffle, whatever, that, all that shit they was doing, end of the road, platinum, 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 platinum. The bow ties and matching and doing doo wopping and shoe wopping. L- labels were like, these guys are tearing the charts up, but we don't want to give them our money because we think if we found five white dudes who could do this half as good, will sell 10 times as many records because these people are doing, they're, they're this successful, only cornering the black market. Boys the Men, they transitioned a little bit, like they went pop a little bit, but they, they weren't, they weren't in sync. In sync was in Japan and like Boys the Men didn't do that. But they stole Boys the Men whole sauce, got five young white dudes and just did, 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 did the thing, That's did nice, the thing. Man. That's crazy. They st- they, that, that's all it is. It's like, Take this art. We don't. We like the art. We don't want your face. So we're gonna take your art and your style and your harmonies and whatever, and we're gonna put it on over here, and it's gonna do gangbusters. Mm. And that's the formula, and that's been the formula for a long time. Anyway, sorry for the tangent. We're talking about music. Anyway, back to fest, back to festival cultures and yeah. stuff like that, huh? So like, I, I just you know I went on the thing about the Newport Jazz Festival in Rhode Island and everything like that. And music festivals in their modern day sense, which are really known for celebrating peace, uh, um, love, counterculture, and an escape from the rat race of everyday life. So, you know, Burning Man, Coachella, people just, they want to, you know, celebrate and diversity and great music and colors and wearing what you want to wear and expressing yourself. Like, that's what modern day music festivals are probably known as. Even though I have my thoughts on modern day music festivals, but I won't, for the most part, that's what they're known for, but they've really gone downhill. But anyway, this, this, uh, iteration of music festivals really began in 1967 with the Monterey International Pop Festival, which was America's first ever major rock festival. So the Newport Jazz Festival was the first jazz festival. Now it was, it was successful enough, had enough rumblings that it, in, it influenced another genre to do a festival. And this one kind of had its own energy and was more free and hippie based and love and whatever. And this kind of sparked the, the idea of what a festival is today outside, big crowds, people, dancing with each other like that. This, this festival, the Monterey International Pop Festival was the first of its kind in that regard and kind of laid the blueprint for what festivals would become known to be like. Yeah. So this festival was the big debut of Janis Joplin. It was America's introduction to the who, cause the who, who the big band, but they were uh, a Europe, they were Europe based okay. like the Beatles. Okay. It was a really big deal when the Beatles came to America, like they were already doing their thing. They were big over there in Europe and England. And then they came over here and took over America. Mm, okay. The Who did a similar thing. Like people had heard about the Who in America. Like people, if you were really like in into music, you had heard the Who. But then they came over here, and you know, got on Johnny Car not not Johnny Carson, but like you know, late night shows and performing and stuff. This was their first. They did this festival. This was kind of their first stepping foot onto American land. The Who. This festival was also where Jimmy Fam- where uh, Jimi Hendrix notoriously and famously and iconically set his guitar on fire while he was playing it. He was a go- he's the goat man. Jimmy, there was a Jimmy Hendrix. Jimmy Hendrix. There was a uh, I, that dude. I looked up a um. Well, I'll get into it when we get to. Keep on going. I'll, I'll yeah, no. But I agree with you. Jimmy Hendrix is the man. And if you have more on that, please step in anytime. Yeah. I would love to hear more about yeah. how Jimmy Hendrix is the man. I agree. 
So uh, that's right, Fran. Let me get in. Let me just make sure people understand. Uh, what I said was this festival was called the Monterey Inter- International Pop Festival. Mm-hmm. So like, so contrary to popular belief, Woodstock was not the first festival of its kind. Now, there we go. Everybody gives this credit to Woodstock. Woodstock. So I, I, I knew nothing about Woodstock. I've heard of it. TV shows. Sure. You've had to have heard the name. Of course, yeah. TV shows where, you know, in episode Always Sunny, Frank, they had a football game. He goes, he pops ass and goes, Woodstock, baby. And I was like, what the hell is Woodstock? Right. <laughs> so I, I never knew what it was, but it was a huge, but like it's the most famous festival. It's the festival. The festival. It's the festival. Even though it wasn't the first. But again, back to my Jimi Hendrix uh, fact I wanted to put out there. He's a GOAT, uh, not obviously because cause he's an artist, but there mm-hmm. was a fact that. I looked up some, you know, some facts of the Woodstock, and you know he performed on like a Monday at Woodstock or whatever. Yeah, and he had a clause in his contract that was like, nobody can perform after me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the closer. I'm the, period. Yeah, nobody's performing after me. I'm going here and fuck fuck shit up, and that's yeah. how we're gonna shut it down. So is he? So is either he would go at the end, or he would be like he would just have a day. His own, his, own, whole day. his own whole day. I was like, man, that dude, that dude is mad. He would just go up there and squiddle, little, 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 left handed, little, little hair. The, the band, band the oh, iconic, man. He's the man, bro. <laughs> Jimi Hendrix was that dude, a man, for sure. Man, you know, Jimi Hendrix was him, for sure. He was Hemi Hendrix. Hemi Hendrix. He was Hemi Hendrix, for sure, you know. So, but it, it is interesting that when, like, when people talk about festivals, Woodstock is the quintessential. Yeah. Festival. Yeah. It's what every festival wants to be. It's what every festival is trying to emulate. It's what every festival is trying to gain the the icon status of. Everybody, every every festival. Coachella wants so bad to be Woodstock, and it's not. But Woodstock was an accident. That's the thing. Like you can't manufacture what Woodstock was. It rained, and when you know, if you look at footage of it, it actually looked like a terrible time. But everybody just said, "Fuck it." Oh, it was free. We're here. Like it was, un- it was muddy. It was undermanaged. It was no, wasn't well managed at all. They like yeah. Like when I looked, hey, I'm I'm because re- I want to I do because when we got there, I wanted to kind of bring up some facts about Woodstock that I thought was pretty interesting. So go to them. Get, get into they them. They estimated attended estimates uh, were vary, but they believed four hundred thousand music lovers attended Woodstock. They said say it again. Four hundred thousand music lovers attended Ooh. Woodstock. They said Woodstock didn't actually happen in Woodstock, but it was in Bethel, New York which is an hour away from, from Woodstock. And yeah. they said that they didn't even have enough food to feed the people because it was they, it was so yeah, it was, it many was so many people that they had like, they was about to cancel the, they was about to cancel Woodstock in the middle of it because they just didn't have, they didn't have enough resources yeah. and they had helicopters bringing food. It was a whole bunch. I said, this is yeah. crazy. It was basically fire Festival, but they all said fucking and had a good time. Well, no, you know, you know what it was? It was fire Festival, but the people actually, the artists actually showed up. Yeah. So it was at, like, here's my thing. Hot take. I feel like if Fire Festival actually delivered on what they said they could do, people would have probably excused the living conditions and the food conditions and everything because they get to see Lil Baby or whoever they said was going to play. Nobody, nobody was at that thing. Yeah. So, but Woodstock was like, no, Jimi Hendrix is here. You just don't have toilets or food or uh, tents or running water. So if you're cool with being disgusting and muddy and hungry, but you get to see Jimi Hendrix, then cool. And that's what it, they were. Yeah. People were out there fucking each other in the mud and while Jimi Hendrix is performing, they all said fuck it. Yeah. And two people died. Two people died from over. At what's that? Yeah, two people died uh, uh, from overdose. 
and yep. one was ran over by a truck. Jesus yeah. Christ. At what's Yeah, that? because like it said that he ran over by a truck because the truck driver didn't see a man sleeping in a tent, a sleeping bag. And just and ran just over ran the sleeping over bag. bag. What a way to go. Man. You just, and probably having good sleep. sleep. Just had a great night, had your first threesome, because Woodstock was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Had your first threesome, saw fucking Janice Joplin yeah. screaming in the in the fucking in into the rain, and then you just in heaven, yeah. like those TikToks where people are like, they just wake up uh, in heaven, like something no, happens, they're at the store, and they're like, oh, you uh you stepped on my shoes. Let me just what? <laughs> you're like, like you're in heaven all of a sudden. That's how right, he was. You know, he was he was asleep and then he just was in heaven. Wow. What a way to go. <laughs> but no, yeah, uh, I didn't know that many people attended Woodstock. That's crazy. But um, yeah, so the late 60s kicked off the festival uh explosion with a with a boom so there was this big explosion of festivals in the 60s and throughout the 70s the popularity of music festivals spread throughout the world and these massive gatherings began to pop up everywhere on december 3rd 1979 more than 18,000 people were sold tickets to the who's first concert in at the cincinnati riverfront stadium there were only 25 police officers allotted for the crowd it of 18,000 people. That's 720 people per cop. My goodness. That you have to be responsible for. If it's something goes wrong, one cop has to try to, to, to even it out. One cop has to be responsible for 720 people. Good luck with that. Good luck with that for sure. If they're going crazy <laughs> and start moshing or whatever. So that's 720 people per cop. Per cop. The set was supposed to begin at 8 p.m., but the doors to the venue were still closed at 745. So, you know, today they let you come in. Okay. They let you come in and get settled. They weren't doing this at this point in 1979. You stayed outside the gate, and then like 10 minutes before the show started, they opened the doors up, and you flood the... Th Imagine if a basketball game, you go to it, and they go, the game starts at 8. Got to run and get your seat. You don't, we, don't open the do we don't open the doors till 8.30. You got to come in to concession stand. It's, it's too much. So let me ask you a question. When you... Because um, you've been to a festival, right? Uh, I've been to a few. So yeah, when you were a part of YBB, how was the? Can you can you explain YBB is the Yellow Boot Boot Boys? So how do you explain that? Uh, explain that experience. How was how was that? Um. Yeah. So wow. Uh, <laughs> seems like another life ago. So the Yellow Boot Boys yeah. were. Um, we were going to this festival called Firefly. Okay. My friends JJ and Les and I were going to this festival called Firefly mm -hmm. in Delaware. And it got rained out. And we thought to ourselves, you know something, we didn't really prepare for this. So what do we do? We went to an Ace Hardware store. Okay. We all bought yellow, adorable rain mm -hmm. boots. And we called ourselves the Yellow Boot Boys. We wrote Yellow Boot Boys all over it. And we, gave, we, gave, we, we did a guerrilla marketing campaign for the entire week in the Firefly. We were the Yellow Boot Boys. We were walking around. Yellow Boot Boys, follow us. Hashtag Yellow Boot Boys. Da -da 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 -da. And we had a great time. And we ended up getting a write-up in like the Delaware times or whatever like really they wrote up somebody wrote an article about it. it's like firefly brings out all these characters every yeah. year here's the yellow the yellow boot boys um but that's what festival culture is bro you just go and you have a good time and you be silly and whatever and we had a great time we had, we wore our yellow boots did some uh, drugs and had a great time man uh, i saw outcast okay uh i saw childish gambino that Ooh. year it was a great time yeah yeah in a crowd of people High out of my mind, okay, wearing yellow what boots. What about the, the experience, though? Like, was it, would you do it again? At 31 years old, probably not. I mean, I slept in a tent in somebody's backyard. Like, if I was to do a festival uh, at this mm -hmm. age, I probably would do one day and pick the day where the everybody that I want to see is at that For day. Sure. I would do glamping, which is like camping, but not really. Like, you have air conditioning and bathrooms oh, and stuff. Oh, yes. And, um, yeah, it would be a very curated version of what I did when I was, like, 23 years old. Okay. 
So would I do it? Yeah. Would I go spend a day listening to bands? Yeah. But I wouldn't like sleep out in a parking lot and shower with a portable shower and be stinking and all that. No, I wouldn't do all that. Okay. But I would do it again at 31. But it's something about being 23 and doing it the dumb way. That's that's the part that's of the fun. fun. Yeah, yeah, right. Being gross and whatever and meeting people because you're all sleeping in the parking lot and just talking. and all. That was part of the fun. I saw aliens that year too. Aliens. Yeah, in the sky. I saw aliens when Firefly, last night Firefly. I saw aliens. Well, you said you were on sure. drugs though. On God. But you were. Well, on God, I was on drugs, but I did see aliens as well. Both of those things are true. Both of those things on God. I saw aliens on God and I was. While, I while was on drugs. Yes. And it probably wasn't aliens. But sure. Okay. I, Got it. Well, hey, all I know is the government is now confirming alien sightings and all this stuff. Ooh, I was just ahead of the curve. Shocked. Shocking. I was ahead of the curve. Coincidence, maybe, but maybe I just, my third eye was open before everybody else's was. Right. I'm just saying. Anyway, so back to the concert, right? So the doors were set to open. The concert was set to begin at 8 p.m., but the doors to the venue were still closed at 7.45. And the anxious crowd heard what was actually the Who's warm-up. So, like, the Who's, like, their roadies and stuff were just tuning the instruments. So they heard instruments playing and lost their shit. They started surging on the doors and broke the doors down, and the surge led to 11 deaths from tramplings. Jeez. 18,000 people rushed the doors, broke them down. People were st- stepping on people, trying to go see a It's a concert. Man. As a result of this tragedy, new regulations were put into effect to keep order during large concerts that are still practiced today. I think one, I don't know what they are, but I would think one of them is letting people in like a couple hours early before the yeah. show. So you get in and get settled in and... There's not this rush. People can get their drinks. There's no, all this anxiety. All that anxiety is just now in place at the stage waiting for the person to come out. You don't have to like come in. It was such a terrible I have idea anxiety. to do it that way. Imagine being trampled. Oh, it's terrible. I, I'm sure that's awful. Man. Like a, imagine, imagine, here's the thing, which we'll get into, but I want to set it up, right? Imagine buying tickets to your favorite artist, 20,000 people show up. You rush to get to the barricade where it's just you the stage, and you're like in the front. And now when that crowd gets crazy, 20,000 people are all pushing on your back, pushing you into a metal bar. The metal bar is pushing into your chest and you can't breathe and that's how you die. And your favorite person in the world is on the stage being like, go crazier! And you're like, I can't, I can't, you're reaching out, they're like, yeah, right on! They give you a high five, they smack your hand like, this is a fan! And then you pass out and fall down, and people and people, you know what people do? They step right in your spot on your body and get right up against that bar. Now you're out of their way. I think I know we're gonna get deep into it, but I just that's why I'm not. I haven't been, you know, dying to go to an you know like a festival concert because like I don't need to. It's like me going to a sports game. I go like if I can't be comfortable with a good seat, like a front row, I don't want to. Sure. I'll just I you don't, don't want to go. go. Like that just it just doesn't. I, I don't know. I'm just not. It's not appealing. Yeah, that's to me the thing. At all. Like, uh, for sure, like the festival atmosphere and a concert are very different things. Like, if you go see Kendrick Lamar at his concert, you get a seat, or even if it's general admission, like everybody's organized. A festival is so it's outdoors and it's crazy. The energy's different. At a concert, nobody people are not going. I mean, they are. Uh, concerts get crazy too. But I'm just saying, for the most part. Uh, the festival atmosphere, you get away with so much. People are being surfed across the people. There's volleyballs being smacked in the sky. You know? It's just crazy. A concert and a festival are very different. I don't think that 
I would want to be in the mix of a festival. That's the thing. The other thing I like about a festival is you can get just close enough that you can put a blanket down on the ground and watch the festival. You won't be anywhere near the like the stage, but you can still be in partaking in the energy of the concert at a festival. But if you want to be in, if you want to see Drake at a festival, you're going to be shoulder to shoulder with 30,000 people. Okay. Yeah. Let- I saw ASAP Rocky. There were 20,000 people at a crowd and then they, he dropped Lord Flocko Jody. If, and I don't know if anybody knows that song. That song is one of the hardest songs ever period. And when he dropped that song, 20,000 people made the ground shake. Like it was crazy. It's a different energy. Yeah. Like it was just, I can't really describe it, but if that's not your cup of tea, you're going to have an awful time. When if people stepping on your shoes and bumping into you and you're like, if you're mad at that, you're, you're going to have a terrible <laughs> Throwing time. Throwing elbows at people. Fucking get off yeah, of like, me. Man, get the, come on, man. Come on. Little pretty Flocko Jody. And he's like fighting people. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you're mad. Like this fucking step on my shoes. It's like, bro, it's raining. I was like, you can't be mad about nah, your shoes. At the, don't nah, wear nice nah, shoes to the festival. Don't wear the white Air Forces, Nike Air Forces. No, because you're going to be furious. Yeah. You're going to be furious. You're going to be all stepped on. Your shit's going to be stomped out. But anyway, so moving on from the, the Who concert example, uh, festivals, the festival spirit persisted for the next two, two decades through the 80s and 90s, inspiring mass concerts from just about every genre imaginable. So there was, you know, rock concerts yeah. and hip-hop concerts and, I mean, festivals and, and you know, folk festivals. Like, every, everybody caught on, like, oh, you can take, you can get 20 artists, a couple of stages, a couple of days, and get thousands of people to show up and have a really cool event. And everybody from every genre started country festivals. Everybody started to catch on. In the 1980s and 90s, a lot of those concert, a lot of those festivals either saw a decline in attendance numbers or just disappeared altogether. Mm. American popular music festivals hit a dry spell, but that only meant that the music festivals were changing once again. So that, that means they were, you know, people kind of got like festival fatigue mm. and that meant it was time to switch it up. Like we need Something to change new. what a festival yeah, is. Yeah. yeah. We need to change what a festival is. And this is where, the, the 90s ushered in the evolution of musical gatherings based around electronic dance music. EDM festivals, Fran, I know you, but you, I know you don't know, but like these are the biggest ones. Like Electric Carnival, like all these ones, I don't know all the names of them, but like I think there's one in Miami, like Electric Carnival, and there's one out in uh, like uh, one out in like Germany, like today. Some, they're, they're huge, hundreds of thousands yeah. of people. And they're all they're all there to hear like Zed and all that and glow sticks and big furry boots with uh, hot pants and fishnet shirts. Like those people, those are the biggest festivals Mm. and the nineties brought in that genre. So um, electronic music quickly spread to all parts of the world. Many abandoned buildings, some without any owners were taken over by young people who organized illegal dance parties fueled by drugs and alcohol. Mm. This is when you talk glow sticks and all that yeah. DJs with sunglasses on at nighttime. That whole image of that underground raves that started in the night. That's like a good time though. Um, yeah, they are they are a fun time. Um, oh wait, so you've been to illegal music gatherings? No, I've been to like so they have these fake illegal oh, ones. Okay. Like they're all curated. They're all but like you get the email at twelve o'clock. Like this is where the event's gonna be, and you need to uh, be there. Come around the back and whatever. But like you buy it. So ticket, you haven't like been to an authentic like, illegal music gathering. No, like a word of mouth, like we're all just like we got a kid. No, this is we like not, a comp- the, the risk of we're not supposed to be here it makes it fun. No, I bought it it I bought a ticket oh, from okay. I was we were allowed to be there, but you had it but it was a secret but it was a secret show. So it had the elements of like this is a dirty building and oh my goodness or whatever, but like I paid forty dollars yeah. to be there. So yeah, it wasn't so, yeah. it wasn't real. It wasn't a real thing. Um 
The drugs were very real. Um, but um, anyway, so so techno from the USA and Germany, acid house and house music birthed modern rave culture. So between US, the US and Germany and their rave culture, they birthed what what is mod, what is known as modern rave today. Uh, power plants, bunkers, hangars, and underground stations all became temporary clubs packed with people excited to blow off steam to their favorite music. Now, friend, here's an, another issue that came with big festivals and big shows and big concerts as far as doing them in these abandoned buildings and then just small buildings in general. Like, the, you know, the name of the game is always to try to beat the fire marshal. You know, you always want to take it as close to capacity as you can because then you get the most money. But that's dangerous uh, for a lot of reasons. But um, one of the biggest examples of this and why it can be dangerous happened in the same uh, state where the first jazz festival took place in Rhode Island. Okay. On February 20th, 2003, in West Warwick, Rhode Island, crowds were well past fire capacity at Station Nightclub. A large crowd gathered to see the band Great White perform. And what was this? I'm Never sorry, what was this festival called? It was just a concert. 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 But like, as far as like music, entertainment, uh, events, mm-hmm. this is one of the biggest tragedies in okay. that realm. So this, they, uh, uh, thousands of people cr- uh, packed into this building to see this band, Great White, perform. Never heard of Great White. Couldn't name you a song. The band's tour manager set off some pyrotechnics that set insulation ablaze and took a while for the audience to understand that the flames weren't part of the show. So there's the, the pyrotechnics go off. It lights some stuff on fire. And then people think it's still going on. Like, oh, these pyrotechnics are awesome. There's still like little glowing embers in the background. Like the place was on fire and they didn't realize it. Once they did, there was a mass exodus. Most concert goers tried to leave the way that they entered, which was through one door. Uh, the ensuing stampede crushed and knocked over many people and people died from suffocation, smoke inhalation, or were claimed by the fire itself, including Great White's lead guitarist, Ty Longley. Mm. That night, 100 lives were lost in total. In January 2010, the club owners, the manufacturers of the hazardous toxic building installation, um, Anheuser-Busch, Clear Channel Broadcasting, and the town of West Warwick, which was in Rhode Island, West Warwick, Rhode Island is where the concert was, settled for $176 million to be distributed among the survivors of the fire and the children and families of those who perished. Wow. When you talk about organization, who, who does the responsibility fall on to know that the insulation is terrible and pyrotechnics shouldn't be going off? Who tells the... Who tells the manager of the band not to play pyrotechnics? And then if the manager doesn't tell the band not to te- not to hit the pyrotechnics, is that the manager is the manager responsible for killing 100 people because he hit the pyrotechnics button? Like there's somebody it's, that's the thing when you talk about how many when you talk about how many chefs are supposed to be in the kitchen for a festival, for a concert, for whatever. Can you really put the responsibility on one person? I think that's an important distinction and an important question that we need to ask ourselves. And we're going to ask ourselves that question in part two.